We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no. There's nothing better. That's why... When it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code Greg88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code Greg88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your host, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 465. Today, we're brought to you by NFL Sunday Ticket and Bet Online. Check out those guys. You'll hear more about them in a second. 
We last recorded on whenever it was, Thursday morning, I believe. Since then, there's been five games, and the Yankees have won only one of them. Not good. I'm not a mathematician. You're a fake doctor, but that's bad. Yeah, that's not good. Those are not the percentages are not good there. Not good at all. They um no, the doubleheader, the doubleheader was uh was was interesting. The the Tampa are we are we now batting in Tampa again? Because we used to be bad in Tampa. But then it got we got yeah, better again. The trop of horror, the trop of horrors. It uh no fans there, just some cardboard cutouts, but same thing. I don't know. It just seems like it just seems like that's a bad place to play for the Yankees. I mean, how many guys did they leave on base in in the four-game series? A thousand? If you told me it was a thousand, I I might believe you because that's what it felt like. It was a lot of guys. It was a lot of guys. And I think that one of the the reasons why Tampa was going to be such a problem is because their pitching staff, not just their starting pitching staff, but their entire staff is very good. (laughs) And we that bullpen, That bullpen is crazy Uh good, though. Like, everyone who comes out of that bullpen has filthy stuff. And Kevin Cash... Kevin Cash is a great manager. He really knows what he's doing, getting the most out of that team. And you can't even say their starting pitching is the reason that the Yankees didn't hit in the series because today Charlie Morton left with an injury and then Glasnow didn't look good at all in his start. Right. So so it's not like their starters just shoved for seven innings and you're like, well, they, they went up against a handful of great starters and they just got the bat shoved down their throat. It's that bullpen. And they come in and then they do matchups and and I just feel like Kevin Cash is always one step ahead of Aaron Boone as far as managing. Look, we we identified him. We've had we've seen the good things that he's done. He knows his players very well. And when you have a bullpen that's as good as his is, you can you can play that game because everybody he comes out, he, he rolls out there has he has a ton of confidence in and they all have filthy stuff. Like they all and it's all very different stuff. A couple side you know side swinelers. Guy thrown from the side, uh, dudes with um, just incredible movement on their pitches. It's just it's a no name bullpen that most people have no idea who the guys are, but they're all good, and they were good last year. Mm-hmm. So I mean, we, it's not like we didn't know this was a thing. I don't know how that team got swept by Baltimore. I don't know that they weren't hitting. They're not hitting so far. They didn't really hit. It's again, it, they didn't. Yankees did not lose because they got out hit in this series. They got out bullpen pitched. Because the Yankees bullpen in a few different instances, Britain today gives up gives up the game. But everyone, the, but the Yankees didn't was pitch wild. badly though through for the series. It wasn't a badly no, pitched series by any means. No, I'm just thinking of some key situations like Friday night's game. It was one nothing. Neither team was hitting. Ottavino comes in in the eighth inning and he walks two batters and throws a wild pitch. It's like when Ottavino is not throwing strikes, he's completely useless. And usually, it's it means runs and probably the game. And then in the second game of the doubleheader, King walked a ton of guys, but he limited the damage. Then Avalon comes in and immediately walks two guys. And then Abreu walked nine walks in in seven innings. You can't do anything with that. How are you going to win a game walking nine guys in seven innings? You don't win those games. That's the thing. Yeah, and they knew. It's not like they didn't know what happens when Abreu's coming in there. Like, that's the literally, the, we were all, I think a lot of people were very excited to see his stuff just because we've heard the name for a while. He was in the, what, the McCann trade? So it's been it's yeah. been a few years since uh, since he's been here, and it's always been about the radar gun, the radar gun, the radar gun. But, you know, Yankees have probably two or three of those very similar guys that, that light it up but have a hard time finding the strike zone consistently, and he's one of them. So it's not like they didn't know that he was Brady was going to walk up, go up there and walk a couple guys, or you know, not be around the plate. It's not like that was a shock, right? Yeah, and and it's just the so it's the the 
untimely pitching and wildness and walks from the Yankees bullpen and then the untimely hitting where there's just so many guys left on base. I think nine guys left on base in Sunday's game 0 for 8 with runners in scoring position. How many times did they have second and third, first and third bases loaded early in these games where just a freaking single to get a single to, to give these pitchers a little bit of a cushion and they don't. The only run they scored early in Sunday's game was a hit by pitch. So it, it's just... I I feel like I, it's like same shit, different day talking about some of these issues on this team. It's like, oh, they can't get a hit with runners in scoring position. They only score via the home run. 70-something percent of runs scored via the home run. But really, that's where we are with this team. And I mean, yeah, they're still in first place. They're still, I, I think, the best team in the American League. But when you see the same issues popping up, not just game after game, but season after season with the same players and the same mistakes being made, it's it's just it's extremely frustrating. Well, you want to know what's more frustrating is when those same players that are you know coming out of the gate hot and you're excited for them and you're like, oh man, maybe this is it. Maybe in a short season, homeboy could stay healthy. Nope, nope, <laughs> not happening. Not going to be there. jog to second base on a pass ball. Pulls a hamstring, Un- unreal, unreal with Stanton. Yeah. And you know who knows if he aggravated it before hamstring. on the slide. I know that you know he. There were a couple of instances where he really could have injured it, but it's it's the same thing. It's the hamstrings. You know, it's these these problem areas for him that that don't seem to go away. And then when they become a problem, rehab causes other problems. So I expect to see nothing nothing less than you know a bum knee in two weeks or a bum ankle in two weeks because. He's compensating, trying to get that hamstring right. It's um. What do you mean two weeks? Is it out of the realm of possibility we don't see him till like the last three three weeks of oh, the no, no, season? Oh no, no, I'm just this talking about a new injury. Out, could keep him out for no, six. No, I'm weeks. talking about a new injury popping up in two weeks, and that's why he's still out. That's all. Just the narrative, the, uh, the narrative shift. That's all. <laughs> well, how, how many times did we have? Oh, the leaner meter Stanton is just shoved down our throats in every broadcast. Look how thin he looks, Scott. Oh my God, he slimmed down. I mean, Instead of 250 pounds of muscle, he's 240 pounds of muscle. All his problems are I mean, solved. He did. He did look. He, did, he looked terrific. Best, best, shape, best shape of his life. I, where maybe maybe Cressy had something to do with that. We're like, oh, maybe maybe we got some improvement on the soft tissue injury, you know, areas. Maybe that's that's going to be a thing. No, it's not a thing. So I mean, hamstrings hamstrings happen. They happen to everybody. And if this was a 162 game season and he missed two weeks it's not a huge deal and you can't say oh well it's it's magnified this year because just because it's a shortened season doesn't mean injuries take shorter amounts of time to heal so it's going to take his two weeks to heal and that's just the nature of a hamstring injury or, or whatever however long it takes but it's the fact that had the season started on time march 26 john carlos stanton was not going to be ready for opening day he likely was not going to be ready until sometime in june so if this was a normal baseball season, he would have come back in June and then injured himself again at the end of July, early August. That's where we are with this guy. It's every six weeks, here's something new. Yeah. That's it. You know, he got off to the same start. Uh, what, his first year here in Toronto when he hit those two moon shots. Never forget that. We were all just like over the moon excited for this guy because we're like, yeah, this is what we got. Reigning MVP, hitting moon shots week one in Toronto. Let's go. And then uh, it's been it's been just uh, strange ever since. So, I, and it's the first major injury. that the, I mean, Ed Kinley's, I guess, a major injury. Pretty significant. But 
your 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 full time DH. Like they were not going to play him in the field right. to try and preserve his health. The hamstrings. As the ham- av- go, as go figure the hamstrings. Maybe maybe if, if he had some reps in the field, then going to first base or second base or third base on the base path wouldn't be as strenuous. What is the? I mean, the trop's a piece of shit. We know at Yankee Stadium they've got tunnels and they've got um, indoor oh, batting tunnels cages the and, and workout rooms where like he can get his he can get his jogging in in between going one for but four. But does he? So, but I'm saying like, what's the stretching room like at the Trop? Are they even allowed in the stretching room because of COVID, or is he just does he have to get limber on the in the? I, I'm sorry, but I didn't know you needed a special room to get to get stretched out. You know, all you need to do is. Grab your ankle you know, from 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 behind and stretch that boy out. Okay, it's not that difficult. Just do it. Well, where are you? Where are you? Where's your frustration level with Giancarlo? It, I think it's frustrating not to see him out there. There's no doubt, but I can't I can't sit here and, and tell you that I didn't expect or that it's shocking that he's out because well, of is an anyone who would shock right. you? If, if name a Yankee that goes DJ on the list, who? would any? Yes. Okay, so DJ LeMahieu is the one Yankee that if, if he yeah. got injured, that would be surprising. Yeah, I feel like a Gio is a guy that we haven't seen. Like you know, there's there's why didn't Gio miss a couple miss like the last week of the season last year with like didn't he roll an ankle or something? You know, like those are small things. And and if it wasn't the last week of the season, maybe he wouldn't have been out. There's a lot of things there. I I, I think Gio's a gamer. Uh, Guardy's a gamer. You know, LeMahieu's definitely a gamer. Everybody else would not be surprised. I'd say I'd say Glaber. I mean, Glaber really just that the hip injury a couple years ago, and and then came back from that. We don't think it was right in the second half, but he's he's been Is he healthy he's now. Been pretty durable. I think he's healthy. Yeah, I think his timing's <laughs> off. I agree, but it's just like, well, he's on the field, but he's not he's not playing well. So, yeah, and the stand thing is just kind of laughable. I think at a certain point you have to look at the the lengthy. It's like a CVS length um, receipt of injuries with this guy. And you just kind of have to try. Like, I saw the news, Mike Ford going into pinch hit for Giancarlo Stanton, and I immediately laughed. Like, that was my visceral reaction was to laugh. I turned to my dad, and I said, guess who just got pulled out of the game? Because it's just... There was a righty-lefty matchup, too. So it was very clear what was happening. But he, uh, and, and my dad goes, oh, what's the matchup? I'm like, do you think they would be pinch hitting based on matchups for Giancarlo? Well, I mean, it was a good matchup anyway, so it was very clear that it was not because of that, even if it was a righty-lefty. But no, it's um, it's not surprising, man. It's, 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 it's disappointing because, you know, we don't get to see... Because he was, he producing. was producing. He was producing. And yeah, he even, like, he went out, I think, went two for 18 after his hot start, but then he had another home run. So it's like, okay, we're... We're not we're not going to have this extended long thing without any power. We're seeing power. Look like his at bats are still pretty good. So, uh, you know, we were we were seeing the good stand right there. And then, so I was listening to the pregame uh, today on uh, on radio, and because they called up Estrada for for Stan and Susan asked Boone, "Are you thinking about calling up Andujar and just giving him regular DH at bats? Because that seemed seemingly perfect for Andujar, right? He was not hitting in his sporadic playing time." But now he can just bat seventh, get four at-bats a night, and hopefully he starts hitting like he did his rookie season. But Boone kind of like skirted the question. And that might just be Boone being Boone and not giving away information. But it sounded like they don't plan on calling up Andujar anytime soon. It does seem like that's the exact situation that he needed to get him some reps so that he can find a, a nice little groove to get that back going. Because if you're going to replace 
Giancarlo Stanton's bat with anybody, it's probably, you know, Andujar or maybe Frazier, but probably Andujar over Frazier is the guy that you'd want there. And you want an impact bat to to help the lineup. I mean, Estrada... Who doesn't have to f- play the field. Like it's, it's more flexibility for him. I understand that with, with Estrada. It's not like Stanton, Stanton's situation being the only... Being just the DH is ideal for him. It's not. It's not what he wants. But I don't think it was really hindering the team much with the, you know, the rosters expanded, the way that things are going. I don't think it was really a problem by any means. So um, I don't think that that should have been a huge consideration. You want to get the best bat in there. And, you know, they like Estrada, but Estrada's not not uh, Andujar at peak. He's not even Frazier at peak. Well, that might even just be a short-term maybe. solution for maybe they figured, oh, just need a backup utility player for the rest of the week or something. There's two off days this week. It's kind of a weird It schedule. would not surprise me if they just tinkered with this that spot and brought up guys and, you know, sent the guys down based on who they're playing and what they, you know, projected pitching is and all that. So that would not surprise me at all. Or now do they use this opportunity as a floating spot to get guys a little bit extra rest? Like give Judge half days off, give uh, Sanchez half days off, give Glaber half days off. Like, you never know. Yeah, that absolutely could be this. They, they absolutely could do that. That's, I think, what they... If, if Stanton were able to play the field, that's exactly what they would be doing. It's not like they'd fill that with an every, with an everyday DH guy. I mean, he is able to play the field. I mean, is it's he? just... Well, not now. Well, not I now. actually think. Oh, I actually think that the fact that he injured his hamstring just DHing and running the bases is more of a reason to put him out in the field because you're not preserving him by just having him DH. He's still gonna. He's gonna get injured either way. So just put him in the field twice a week. Not a very good fielder either. <laughs> he's. That's not and true. With a bum hamstring. Well, <laughs> you know, at, at Paul O'Neill, seventy-five percent. Paul O'Neill saved Game Five of the don't, 1996 don't, don't make O'Neill comparisons here when we're talking. Don't 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 put the warrior out there. Talk when we're talking about a guy who's made of glass. Please, please don't do that. Please do not <laughs> anti warrior. So O'Neill bre- breaking yeah. out his uh, his his uh, batting title bat, the trophy. Did you see that? Nice. He's had it in a case forever. I I, I, yeah. I what game was that? I must have uh, been listening. Saturday, I believe. Game okay. one, I think. And uh, yeah, it was nice. He you could tell he was pumped up about it. He hadn't gotten. How it out come in a while. he's in his basement in Ohio and Cone is in the booth with? Because O'Neill doesn't want to be in the booth with Cone or with uh, with K. That's why <laughs> he doesn't want to be there. He wants to stay in. This is perfect for O'Neill, dude. Are you kidding me? This is ideal. This is this is Paul O'Neill's dream job. He's home with his family. He goes to the basement. He gets lunch or food in between. Uh, you know, in between from his wife. He was even talking about it and. Yeah, and he doesn't have to go anywhere. You have to put. He doesn't have to go anywhere. Instead of his day being like seven hours, as far as like travel oh, yeah, he's, prep, he, he can stadium, get another nine it's, holes in. It's just four hours. Just boom, he, right there. He, this is the greatest scenario for him. Yeah, he loves it. Well, John and Susan are not in the same booth. They're in separate booths. They're, yeah, there's glass between them. It's sad. Yeah, yeah, the, and they keep every chance they get mentioned that they're not at the game. They're at Yankee Stadium watching on. They a have monitor. to tell people it's the radio. They have, you have to paint the picture. Do you think? Do you think they're like of Sterling watching a monitor? Do you think they're they're holding each other hands out like like reaching for each other on the on the glass yeah, like, on the glass palm like up. like in a in a prison scene when it's yeah. <laughs> the two meet through the glass talking on the phone. Where's Candy Maldonado? Is he float? I guess so. So I want to go back to I want to go back to Thursday's game, the last game against Philadelphia, 
And Montgomery pitched. We were looking forward to seeing Montgomery pitch because he had such a good first outing against the Red Sox. He did not look great against Philly. He allowed five runs in four innings. Gave up a three-run bomb immediately to Real Moto in the uh, in the first inning on a on a hanging curveball. Then he allowed a, a double later in the game. And did you hear him after the game talking about the noise in the stadium? Well, yeah. I so I, are you talking about the air horns? No. So he was asked about the air horns from the fans out behind, about uh, behind the stadium, and he actually said. I heard that their announcers, talking about the Philly announcers, were being really loud mid-pitch during Jay and other guys' pitches and not doing the same for their team. It's kind of messed up that they're out there, but it is what it is. So he was saying, the air horn's not bothering me. It's the freaking Phillies announcers who are making noise trying to distract the pitchers. That's so Philadelphia, though. <laughs> Just lowest, scummiest, trashiest I mean, you, thing you this can is, do. This is like the, the perfect storm for anybody to do something stupid to do that type of thing, right? They're going to... That's As like, an announcer, it, it's though, like the, you try to be a professional. I mean, do you think it's really them or if it's somebody else just like, you know, kicking into it? But I don't know, man. It, it's it's home field. They're, they're, they're doing things that, that are distracting. I mean, really, I, I, I wouldn't be complaining about that. It is what it is. Whatever. No, I mean, Montgomery probably shouldn't be complaining about that. And I don't think he was saying that's the reason why he didn't pitch well. I think it's probably because... He's hung a bunch of curveballs. Like yeah, it's like the Giants, you know, opening the opening the gates to get the uh, the the wind tunnel a little differently at Giant Stadium uh, at home. Wasn't that? Weren't there rumors that Minnesota at the old dome, at the Metrodome, used to do something like that? Oh, I guarantee Open this the is doors done all behind the time. home yeah, the, plate, and it was like a, created a wind. Probably current. this. These are all little things that I guarantee are done all the time. Little little uh, little things that you don't notice, but they give you a, a slight advantage because of the home field. I have no problem with it. It is what it is. It's it's not that big of a deal to me. But um, home field, like like having a camera and setting. No, that's field that's different. That banging on that, trash that, cans and having that to, having Vuvuzelas. Different. I don't have no reason why one is different than the other, um, except for one is way more egregious. And the other one is just like one's gamemans gamesmanship. Yeah, the other is straight cheating yeah, out of your ass. Cheating. Yeah, no, it's it's uh they're very different. But the air horn. I mean, I can see how the air horn. That's like drastically obnoxious that is something i would of course it's the phillies fans who show up to the stadium just behind the gate out there blowing an yeah and i you can't do that at yankee stadium i guess you could stand out around the stadium but freaking yankee stadium that great hall takes up like a football field length you're not going to hear shit from the from the streets of the no you're not going to be unless you're hanging on like the hanging on the tracks in right field (laughs) off the subway (laughs) tracks in between Ah, that little alleyway you're just you're back there hanging for some if you can if you can suspend yourself off the tracks good for you and you're gonna do that it'll be a, it'll be a while for them to, to get that person down they could they could haunt well, well they, it's not technically yankees property they, they can't i'm just do saying whoever's gonna try to get them down it might take them a minute to get them, that person down so uh the air horn will go for a little while sanchez hit a much needed home run it got them close in the game sanchez has been um He's been terrible. Oh, there's no way, other way to put it other than he's been terrible. But I was I was getting into conversations on Twitter because first of all, my dad is totally out on Sanchez. That's not point. shocking he's, at all. He's he's done with yeah. him. He, you know how last last year he may have criticized Glaber from time to time. I have not got one one word about Glaber, even though he's playing like crap right now. It's all Gary Sanchez tweets, but. It was a re- actually a really funny text that my dad sent me on uh, 
I forget what day it was, but it, it included one sentence, two two chores, and then the last thing was, and Gary Sanchez sucks. <laughs> that was the text. It was, put the lift down, don't put up the rope, and Gary Sanchez sucks. All one sentence. Always, always on his get mind. His yeah, I mean, that's, that's a guy that's definitely bothered um, by uh, by the lack of instincts as, at the catcher position. But if you're... if So if there's a Gary Sanchez fan club right now, were you ever in that fan club? And if you are, are you leaving? Are you not renewing your membership? Are you looking for a discount on next year? Are you trying to get like 50% off for next year? What's going on? You're not talking to me specifically. You're talking about the people out there who are Gary fans. Either. I mean, I'm not. However, you want to answer it. Oh, so you're not a Gary fan anymore? You were a Gary fan at one point. I, I have no. I, I love his offense. I I did love his offense when when it was there. Uh, the the fact that he's not hitting just completely gets rid of anything for him. So I, there's a couple things on on Gary Sanchez that bother me. <laughs> I, I have not harped on his defense in a very long time. You know that. I've I have given him. I you gave him I even gave him a pass because I do think that one was like whatever. But there are a couple of instances in this Tampa series where, one, he just flat out missed the ball. Like, literally missed the ball. Ball came at... Garrett Cole, the Garrett Cole. Total just, whiff. Just total whiff did on not Garrett catch Cole's it. Pitch. Just it went past yep. his glove <laughs> in the air. <laughs> did not catch it. The name of the position is catcher. <laughs> did not catch it. Did not touch leather. He had dirt in his he eye. Was he, got, he, he was not looking. He was blinded by the light. He was blinded by the purple lights and center. So we've field. talked about these, like, moments of... of these these lapse moments of... of um, of of attention or you know whatever it is just like being in the moment and and like trying to be as good as you possibly can on every pitch he's not that guy he's not he just he's not his instincts as a catcher are not there and that's what's all there are so many things that are forced there was a ball today that ended up being a wild pitch but it was a ball and it was it was a wild pitch there's no doubt but it should never you're talking about the Britain the Britain yes, pitch it, it should ninth? never have been a wild pitch because Gary Sanchez should have been on his knees, squared up to that ball, and knocked it down. It was a terrible pitch, don't get me wrong. But every catcher in the league squares up to that ball, breaks down, shoves the glove between his legs, and creates a wall so that, that ball does not get behind him. Gary Sanchez doesn't do that. So when I saw that that, that particular play, just like flashbacks came kept coming back, especially to Tampa. Guys, guys on second and third, I'm like, oh shit. Guys on second and third now. Now, Britain probably can't make the same pitch that he wants to pitch. Same thing I was complaining about D-Rob years ago. There are moments where you can't do the things you want to do because you don't have the confidence in the guy behind the plate to block the goddamn ball. And guess what? It might be exactly where you want to put it. And that ball may hit some dirt because some of the breaking balls that these guys throw are intended for that. And if you don't have a catcher that can block it, or if you don't have confidence in that catcher, you may not execute the pitch well with that in the back of your mind, or you may shake off that pitch even though you think it's the right pitch. And that's a problem. And I have a problem with that. And I think his instincts behind the plate are just shit. Just instinctually, not there. Well, Cone called him out for that because he said on that pitch, that's what you have to expect from Zach Britton. You call for a sinker. You have to expect, you have to anticipate a ball like that being thrown. That's what he does. And there's just no anticipation, no even motion to go down and block the ball. It's like as if it never crossed his mind. So Cone called that out, I think rightfully so, being like, to your point, where are the instincts? They, but but to even, get down even and at block that point, ball? that's not even instincts. You know the sinker's coming. 
you should like like you said like Cohen said that's an anticipation that's not even like an yeah where's the anticipation where's the instinct, but an instinct where's, the, it, it, where's having your head in the on game every yeah on every pitch yeah well, I don't think it's that's not, a difficult I don't think that's a tall task I don't think it's a, a large thing to ask for when what, when you're you one of two me? people that is literally the their job I know that is literally what they are paid to do they are paid handsomely to keep their head in the goddamn game so when I see that um to me, not having the anticipation of something that you know is coming is even worse than not having the instincts to get down if it happens. So, well, you know, the new catching stance to frame pitches low in the zone actually hinders blocking even more. I got to tell you. But they, they sacrifice that. No, no, that's something they're willing to I, I sacrifice. Know this. They rather have the framing because that's more defensive value than blocking in the. In the Look, here, here's, here's an eye test versus nerd test here because I, I, I know that. <laughs> That's a good segment. We should do I test versus nerd. Start I test versus nerd. I know test. that I know that Gary Sanchez um you know what is grades out as a as a good framer uh as a catcher. A good framer that of leads the, pitches, the league this right? year. When I'm watching him, I'm shocked by that. Absolutely. He's always constantly moving. Constantly moving. It down. is it is the one of the more jerky movements, deliberate jerky movements. It's not fluid. It's not slick. It's not like, it's not. You know, I mean, I know he's one of the best, but like, uh, you know, the one of the Molina brothers. When I'm watching them, like these guys, just like it, just it's so natural. His is not that way. It, it's a very like sudden jerky movement. I don't understand it. So you know, he's getting sometimes the calls I feel like not, it costs. Strikes. I agree. You think it, I I've I thought that like three or four times this since Thursday. And I'm like, what are you doing? Just keep your glove where it is, homie. Like you're trying too but it, hard. But it might offset and net net out to where it gets more strikes than it loses strikes. It obviously does because he leads the league in framing or or rate or the year. you know the way that they view that framing stat is bullshit. Like I've said from the beginning, because it's and it's also could, dependent yeah. on the 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 guy who's blind behind him as well. So there's a lot of like, there's a lot of you know variables within this uh this nerd stat that are just complete horseshit. So if we're if, also, we're, if, if we're going we off of there's... that as why he's a good catcher, you lost me because I I don't that is one of those defensive metrics that I can't stand. Well, we also might get robo umps. We legitimately might get robo ups umps in the next five years, and then that is completely out the window because there's no longer fo- <laughs> framing is fooling the umpire. That's yes. what it is. It's how can you fool or. If you have a bad umpire, then it's like maybe there's nothing you can do. But if there's a robo ump, then it's just a striker. Or everything you do is great. How, it could you, Gary Sanchez could just take it off the cup and it's just gonna be called a ball or a strike no matter what. He would never get in that position. <laughs> Look, it's yeah, and, and then at that point when there are robo umps and he's the guy doing all of these, we're gonna be screaming at him for moving his glove the way he does. And now he's now he's applauded for it. It just the the stat to me is flawed. Oh, well, it definitely is flawed. Defensive metrics overall are way more flawed than offensive and pitching metrics. But specifically, framing when there are is when there flawed. are that many variables within um, a statistic, you you lose me. I don't I don't care if it's baseball or anywhere else. Like variables make math problems hard. <laughs> they make them not very consistent. You aired your grievance about Gary Sanchez. I'm going to air my grievance about Aaron Boone's decision uh, and his pinch hitting decisions late in that Thursday game. So the Yankees get within a run after the Gary Sanchez 
home run. And there's a guy on third base. Stanton is on third base. This is before he blew out his hamstring. He's on third base with two outs. You have Aaron Judge and DJ LeMahieu on the bench because they didn't start because of load management. Who are you pinch hitting in that scenario when all you need is a single to tie the game? DJ LeMahieu. Every day of the goddamn week. What are we doing here with Aaron Judge? Pinch hitting. Not that Aaron Judge is bad. He's a great option if you don't have DJ LeMayu on the bench to just get a single. Did it, okay? Is so it of the double switch. You, but you lose two guys. You could have just no. You wouldn't have had to double switch because if DJ LeMayu pinch hit for Brett Gardner, then he can go to second base and Tyler Wade can go to the outfield. There you go. Tyler Wade's in the game. That's right. So now Tyler Wade is the Swiss Army knife. He can go out there for sure. So then then when Tyler Wade's spot comes up in the ninth inning and there's nobody on Aaron base Judge. and you need a solo home run, Aaron Judge. How is that difficult to figure out? It's not difficult. That's an easy that's an easy one. If I need a single And that's a big mistake. If I, I want a single, there's literally not yeah. one person in the in the, in in baseball that I would rather up than DJ LeMahieu. With a guy on third base and two outs. Like literally, and guess what DJ all of baseball. I want him. Guess what DJ LeMahieu did in the ninth inning, coming off the bench cold. He singled up the middle. Yeah, he did. So, and Aaron Judge did nothing in his at bat. Aaron Judge is having a great season. And if there's no one on base and we need a solo home run, I'm picking Aaron Judge. Or if Aaron Judge is is in the game and he's already had three or four at bats under his belt, then yeah, maybe. But coming off the bench cold, two outs, right? You just want two outs, so you don't even outs. need a fly ball. You want you want hard contact anyway. You want green. You need that ball to drop. Yeah, yeah. that's that's so. uh that's that's uh that's you're warranted on that one, man. That's 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 one that's absolutely uh, I agree with you. I want DJ LeMahieu up in that spot. Yeah, so it and that and that's where Tyler Wade's versatility comes in handy because you can live with an inning of him in right field. Oh, no problem. He's the best infield defender on our team. I wouldn't be surprised if he's one of the best outfield defenders. He's that good. Phenomenal, yeah. And and Boone had a a questionable weekend. I think um, we got a couple mailbag questions about that, which we'll get to in a second. But Garrett Cole it started the first game of the doubleheader, and we talked last episode about you know he needs to find his fastball. He's not getting the same swing and misses on his fastball. Once he does that, the strikeouts are going to come. The dominance is going to come. And we saw it a little bit in game one of the doubleheader, but also he wasn't able to put away hitters efficiently and it cranked up his pitch count. He was over 100 pitches by the fifth inning and they pulled him before he had a chance to get through the fifth inning. But he did have a lot of swings and misses on his fastball. So on the one hand, he found it. And on the other hand, he didn't find all of it. Yeah, this was his, uh, it would have been his, what, 20th uh, straight regular season win. Um, uh, being so out there. I was, I, I thought that was he was 19 consecutive starts with a win, but that's not what it was. It was 19 consecutive decisions. So technically, his streak is still alive because he got a no decision. Uh, you're telling me that it's, there were no other. He, it's is it just without a loss? Yes, I thought the streak was over. Second. Apparently, it's not over because he got a no decision. So the streak in my mind becomes less impressive. Anyway, it's pretty impressive. The guy hasn't lost a game since like May of 2019. So 
either way, he he was. If that's the um, if he doesn't give up that home run, he's getting through it. Even if he he gives up that home run, if Boone lets him go one more guy, he's getting through the fifth. Problem is, is that he had 107 pitches at that point, so Boone's not messing around. And um, you could see how clearly upset he was in the dugout at himself for that home run that he gave up. So it was. It's one of those moments where I love the fact that we did see the swings and misses because he had what 10, 11 strikeouts. Um, great, that's awesome because that's 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 good stuff from Cole. That's swing and miss stuff. The fact that he had to work the count as much as he did to get to that point, not great. Um, and you know they have an approach like that. The 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 that's the other thing about Tampa. They're pesky as shit at the plate. These guys don't, you know, they don't have to hit a ton of home runs. They can actually create a rally. They can make contact and score runs in different ways. Um, I know that they haven't been as much this early in the season, but they're built that way. So they're when I when you see what their pitching is this year after uh, this weekend, and then I don't even think they've really hit any stride offensively. They're going to be a dangerous team, man. They're 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 a problem. Yeah, and Cole talked after the game about how he just struggled to put hitters away, even though he was getting swings and misses on his fastball. Um, with all the injuries around the league, and like Morton just had an injury today, they're not going to push. Not going to push push Cole into the fifth inning, even though it's a double header. Like it would have been great if he could have gone deep into that game, because then you set yourself up to have Green and Adovino in game two, because they had to burn Green and Adovino in a game that Cole started, and it's like that's not in a plan when it's only a seven inning game how stupid are the pirates i mean it just how that you got in this is the fact we got charlie morton tyler glass now and garrett cole all pitching at very high levels they traded they but they got chris Archer. just a bunch of numb nuts over there in pittsburgh giving away <laughs> best pitchers in the league how how terrible and, and they also didn't allow Cole to throw his four-seam fastball when he was in Pittsburgh. They made him throw two-seamers. Their pitching coach was lauded for a long time being a guy like, a, you know, a, a whisperer, uh, getting getting guys to pitch that, you know, getting the most out of some guys. And they, when they, they really, really gave up the farm, when, you know, when you see the people that have left there and how they've done. Terrible. Yeah, and it, and it, made, it makes no sense for really for um, like the direction that that team was going in. But the uh, the the doubleheaders. So game one took two hours and fifty two minutes. Game one took two hours and forty seven minutes. These are seven inning games. Remember. So my question is: Does baseball just take three hours, no yeah, matter it's what? Muscle memory, man. They, they, that's the thing. Like, like, oh man, this this is short. We gotta stretch it out, guys. Yeah, I think it just uh, it, it just takes a long time to play uh, to play the game. Yeah, to get a conclusion. Even even when it's so. a range shortened. You know, uh, game. You still have to deal with that rain delay. So, you still got to have a 50 minute yes, rain delay. Three hours. Sure three hours. Five innings, <laughs> five and a half innings, three hours. Sundays, Sundays, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live, out of market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and Direct TV Fantasy Zone channels. So, you never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. When I hear that word, I think of old school. I see Blue, and he looks glorious. And speaking of Blue, use promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. This is the perfect time to do this. This fall season, we're going to be inside all day, every day. Anyway, you can just watch every football game on Sundays. 
Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. Have you guys ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things that you would never expect at a price that you'd never believe. They have over 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every time uh, an item starts at $0 and then goes up from there one cent every single time you bid. The kicker is that the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours. This is something I've told you guys I have been addicted to. It's fun to to bet and uh, I have a little strategy. I'm gonna gonna enlighten you a little bit. Lock in on one one product. Lock in on that product, be stubborn and, and go for the one that you like. If you start jumping around, spreading your bids around, Chances are, uh, I have not seen that, that that tactic work. That's the way I do things. If I want something, I just sit there and I and I sit there and I uh, and I'm clicking on that that, that bad boy until I get it. So um, it doesn't work every time, but it does work a lot higher of a percentage time for me. If you go ahead and buy now, Deal Dash is offering all of our listeners at Bronx Pinstripes an extra 100 free bids upon sign up, uh, on top of their other discounts. Go to DealDash.com and use promo code Bronx20 or DealDash.fm/Bronx20. That's deal-fm slash Bronx20. Well, one thing we were looking for is how the pitcher's going to look other than Garrett Cole. Tanaka looked really good on Friday night. He pitched five scoreless innings. He only gave up one hit. This was his second outing of the season. His first one, I don't even want to call a start. It was kind of just like getting working. This is like more of a start, and he looked good. He did look good, and... Unfortunately, they they couldn't take advantage of it. That's that's uh that's another one of these opportunities that the Yankees need to take advantage of when when they when they have a good starting pitching performance, you got to win that game with the way that their offense is. And unfortunately, they just didn't hit home runs. So, um, no, but it's good. It's really awesome to see, especially when I just feel like Tanaka. This is similar in vain to playoff Tanaka in the sense that he gets up for big games. It, it seems like, um, but if he's healthy and and looks looks the part and is able to get we want him to get deeper there's no doubt we need we really need another guy to get six to seven innings um other than Garrett Cole on a on a you know every other time basis at least well Paxton did give it to him today it's just the last two batters ruined the outing for him yeah because he looked so good even though his fastball was still only topping out at 93 he was getting a tons uh swing and misses Cohn brought this up on the on the broadcast that his spin rate was actually up in today's game, which is why he was getting more swings and misses with his fastball. And he had a ton of strikeouts. He was dominating. And then back-to-back home runs to ruin the afternoon in the seventh inning. And I don't know where you, I see you got a, you got a thought. I do. I don't know where you're going. I'm, I'm, it's a confusion. Is it that Boone should have pulled no, him? No, 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 no. It's more of a confusion of if, you're, if your spin rate is so significantly up that it's like noticeable at that point too, isn't your velocity up too? Don't, don't they go hand in hand? No. Even no, on, on a fastball? Necessarily. Not necessarily, no. I guess not. Apparently they don't. Because spin rate spin rate translates to movement. Right. But on a fastball, I would think that the because of the increased spin rate on a, a guy that's, you know, the guy is relatively constant. But on a spin rate's up, but he's still low at 93 miles per hour. I don't know. I, I would think that you'd see a higher gun uh, performance uh, with, the, with the higher spin rate for the same guy who you know, normally ramps up and I would assume has a higher spin rate at, you know, 96, 97 miles per hour. But again, like we've seen guys like Nathan Avaldi flat fastball at 99. 
No, I know, but when it's the same guy, that's my point. Is like, that the, is it a different grip? Then is it he changed something? Something must have changed. Could be if he could have could have moved could have moved his yeah maybe that maybe that's like the case a, because it, like a if he understands that that so that's that's almost is that alarming to you? It is a little bit to me. That his velocity is still down, and three, he's four and miles he's an changing hour? grips to get spin rate higher to account for he that. He changed arm angles today too. He threw sidearm at so some pitches today. There, to me, that is a little bit of a, um, a. It's just a weird thing, right? When you have the same guy, back to back outings, sim, same velocity, but now he's changing the spin rate is higher, so something's different, and he's getting results. Well, that could come from that could come from mechanics, which he identified as a reason why he was not getting. So then, why the isn't results. the velocity up too? If the mechanics are back, that's a. It's a weird. It's you'd think that they, especially with Paxton, that they would go hand in hand. That's what I'm saying. Could he? Could he have gotten a text message from Scott Boris today and said, "No matter what you do, do not injure yourself the rest of the oh, season." Oh, said so then don't change your grip then and throw sidearm. <laughs> Probably not. Like, ideal. Don't 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 crank it up to ninety seven. Live at ninety three if you can, because you got to pay it. But coming, check buddy. something a little differently and and you know put a little different pressure on this finger. I don't know. To me, it's just a, it's a strange coincidence. Something to keep an eye out for, if nothing else, right? For us to look at and and identify. In his next outing, are we starting to see? Is the velocity gaining? Is it because he's not physically there yet, and that's why we're not seeing the velocity? Or is something different now, and he's got to change grips to increase the spin rate so that he can account for less velocity? No, that's a, that's a good point. And I, I don't think we truly know the impact of the shutdown and then the summer camp on these pitchers. Like, obviously, it's causing more injuries. But we don't know if that's just like... Guys might not be able to get up to their peak velocity this season. It just might not be in the cards. Why? Ramp up time and arm like arm strength. Like you need to strengthen your arm. It's just like strengthen your else. arm. It's then like if you no, but it's like think about like running running a race, right? If you if you take four months off, you're not going to be able to just go back to the your mileage. You're not going to be able to run five miles at your eight minute. They're clip not stopping doing things. They're not. It's not like they're just like, oh, if you're not going to run, they stop. They essentially stopped from the second half of March through June. They basically stopped. Well, that's dumb. If he's not throwing and keeping his arm in good condition, that's that's on him. And I, I don't believe but it's that's not the case. going out there every fifth day throwing against major league competition. And he had back surgery. Like we also right. have to I remember that that he had back surgery that is more to my, like I'm kind of thrown away. I don't really buy into your little conspiracy theory. To tell you the truth, it's not conspiracy <laughs> theory. Like obviously pitchers are I don't affected know. by I, this. I mean, the that's that's a that's a really really bad freaking excuse. If that's the case, that means they're not doing what they should be doing as a professional athlete to keep up. Just keep up. Well, then why are there why are there an alarming amount of injuries in baseball? Because they are ramping up faster at a different rate. No, I get it. I like I, I'm saying it's not. It shouldn't be an excuse to for your velocity or your arm strength to be there. Like keep your arm strength up. You can do that. Everyone gets a dead arm from you know. Then you, you're no, you're no, very no, much no. giving him a million excuses right now. I think I am not giving him I a million think excuses. He it's more to the the fact that it. he had surgery and we don't know what he was going to be anyway after that. And I think that's more to the point of like, it, it, we have back surgery, you know, the backbone is connected to the hip bone, the hip bone's connected to the knee bone. And when you go all the way down the legs, that's where your power comes from. I could see his power not being there because he had surgery and is trying to get back from a weaker position. He's not getting back from the normal starting position. He's he's mm-hmm. handicapped at that point, right? So he's not 
it's not a normal offseason where he's just ramping up. He's ramping up from an injury that significantly affects your lower half where you generate power. My my thing here, and the more we're talking about it, the more I'm alarmed by this, is that when I see that there's increased spin rate because he's doing little things differently, to me, that means he cannot get the velocity to a point, which also could, could also mean that something else is going on with the lower half. So th- was this not encouraging for you today? It's becoming less encouraging the more we're talking about it. But I like the result. I'm just... Yeah, I mean, the, overall, the result, the result was terrific. Especially. Absolutely. It was a, he pitched well, and he he was pitching. That, and that's great. That When you are a guy that, that um, has re- relied on your stuff and your stuff being high 90 stuff with, with some movement as well, and then you can live in 93 and get into the seventh inning against a good team, great. I'm very happy with that. I'm more looking in long-term on what he's going to be. Um, and, you know, maybe it's an adjustment based on what's happening right now. And then he's able to ramp up beyond this. Terrific. If that's the case, I applaud him even more because he's making adjustments as he's ramping up, which is terrific. Yeah. So that's a pro. Something Jay Happ. Yeah. Something Jay Happ that would has be, shown the inability. That to would do. be a professional athlete doing what they have to do on the given day based on how they feel. So if that is the case, hell yeah, I want this guy. Sign him again. If that's the guy, if that's the mentality, I want that. I am skeptical. Because of his injury history, though. How many times have we seen James Paxton come back from an injury and something was a little different and then he injured something else because of over- overcompensation? It's happened a couple times. Yeah, it's in Seattle. Yeah. Happened. So, you know, it, uh, it worries me a little bit when um, when the velocity is still not going up. He uh, and a lot of people were saying that Boone should have pulled him before he even gave up the two home runs once he gave up the one out double. That he should have been pulled because he was laboring, almost took almost completing the set the third time through the lineup, yeah. and that's always a dangerous thing for starting pitchers, not named Garrett Cole and Max Scherzer, and you know the elite starting pitchers. But then I also say, well, James Paxton's not going to be a guy that you can get through three times through an order against, frankly, not a hot hitting Tampa Bay lineup. What are we doing? I mean, you can't really say that though. You have to, you have to, you have to identify. The situation and the time of the season. He was and all unhittable for six right. innings. Unhittable yeah, 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 for no, six innings. Very good. I, I and then he gives up back to back home runs and the game is tied. And he walks off the mound and they're getting they're chirping him from the raised dugout. He gives him a stare down. Maybe don't give up back to back home runs and give up the lead if you don't want to get chirped. Like you gotta take that if you're packs. You gotta walk off the field. You can't start eyeballing guys. You can't mean mug stink eye guys when they're chirping you and they just took you. I mean, I got no problem with that. 400 plus I got no problem with that. I mean, the Rays are not liked. I mean, Boone gets ejected on Saturday because they're throwing up and in. Look, they're pesky, man. They're they're a pain in the ass. Do you have a problem with up and in? No. I don't either. And and Boone gets ejected. He's protecting his guys. Like I told you. I like that too. I like that side of things as well. That's part of the game. And LeMahieu got thrown up in and on, and he got hit last year. I don't know if you remember that. Remember he got hit last year in Tampa? So he's pissed off. I have no problem. But I have no problem with Tampa throwing up and in. That's a strategy. Yes, I agree. I like it, actually. I mean, I don't like it happening against the Yankees. I like it in baseball. I like the fact that they they have the ability to throw up and in. You know, half the time the umpires are giving people warnings ahead of, you know, so that they can't even do that. And then the inside of the plate is taken away from them. So it's part of the game. I, I, I like that part of the game. 
Well, some people are like, oh, you don't throw up and in because that can hit his head and that's too dangerous. You have to take that out of the game. And I completely disagree. It's not like if they, I'm not saying head headhunting is not what I'm saying. You should never headhunt. But throwing up and in near a guy's shoulder to get him to move his body is 100% part of the game and something that good pitchers do. I, I, I agree. So to be pissed about that or to be butthurt about that to me seems a little. It's weak. not. You're in the. You're still in the middle of a competitive. Oh, I'm talking about fan. I'm talking about fans. Oh, oh, yeah, fine. I mean, fans are ir- irrational sometimes, and they see it and they think it's they're going after heads. And if if that's the case, if these guys are like Armando Benitez and uh, who's the um, the Mexican Vince, Vincente Padilla? Oh, he was a total yeah. a hole. They uh, those guys were just you know. They were they were uh, they were mercenaries. They would they would literally go after, and they had, they made no qualms about it. So, um, but that's not what's happening here. That that's not what's happening here. This is no. purely getting off the plate. It's an intimidation. It's it's a it's it's how they're approaching it. It's probably coming from Kevin Cash and company. Kevin Cash has a little bit of a, that old school mentality about him about playing the game, you know, and policing it within themselves. And if a guy if a team is high hitting, back them up. I got no problem with that. How many times? How many times have we asked for um, for for somebody to either throw in or Girardi would was freaking famous for not doing anything. David Ortiz would hang out over the plate with a freaking huge guard on his arm, have no problems, feel feel no no discomfort whatsoever, hang out over that plate and wait for the pitch that he wanted and would destroy it. Throw inside, get him off the goddamn. Well, let's think plate. about. Let's think about our pitching staff. Who on our pitching staff do you have confidence that they have that mentality to do that and then back it up on the mound? Like Garrett Cole, obviously. Chapman. But I also am fearful that if he tries to go in, he might just throw it through an ear. I don't think Chapman knows where it's going. (laughs) Right. So that's a little dangerous. He's he's got the wild thing, you know, going with him. Like, he's a little crazy. Ball might go somewhere. So I don't know how many guys are going, leaning. (laughs) So people are just. I don't know how many guys are leaning over the plate against Chapman. But like as good as our bullpen is, like Ottavino, Green, easily going in. Britain, you big Kaylee. I'm just, just saying, just said Tommy Johnson. Yeah, he's one. But those three guys I just mentioned are not are not that. I can see Chad Green going inside. Chad Green doesn't give an f. I haven't seen Chad Green give one ounce of emotion. That's right. I, I know he's got very straight faced. He tried to go inside uh, the- against the Astros. It was a great pitch, but they knew it was coming, so it was hit over the wall. <laughs> and then. And then Tanaka doesn't do that. Um, I, I, I could see uh, Tanaka doesn't does scare pa- anybody going inside, but I, Tanaka doesn't care either. I mean, I could see him if they're if the time. That's just not his pitching style, no. though. Like his his pitching style is not move off the plate. It's I'm going to keep throwing sliders and and splitters away, away, away until you swing at it or hit it into the ground. Right, but he'll show something. Tanaka will definitely show something. It's just nobody. Yeah, fears I, mean, it. I just. I mean, I, I, and we haven't seen Cole do it. And frankly, I couldn't tell you if Cole did that a bunch in Houston or in Pittsburgh. But I, I feel like that's probably in his arsenal somewhere is to do that. But I don't I don't know. I haven't seen Paxton do it. I haven't seen Hap do it. No, not that Hap could even back it up. He's going to throw off the plate. The guy's going to be right back over there hanging, looking to hit, hit it 500 feet the next pitch. Severino, if you were. Yes. Forgot he was on the team. <laughs> He's kind of not. Um, to, yeah, like I said earlier today, 0 for 8, 9 left on base for the Yankees. I thought we were going to get extra innings finally. I thought we were going to get that rule and then Britain meltdown in the ninth. He hadn't really pitched much lately, so no surprise there that he, he wasn't sharp. 
But again, I'm looking forward to when we see that rule. I mean, they kind of had it. There was a runner there. He just hit a double. Well, Tampa had it. I want to see. I want to see how the Yankees screw up that scenario. That's what I want to see. Because you know it's going to happen. You know they're going to fail a bunt with someone who shouldn't be bunting. And then the next two guys are going to try and hit it out of the stadium. And they're going to whiff. You know that's going to happen. I don't think they're going to bunt. Unless they have someone who's available that can bunt. Who, who There's would two people. Bunt? Two. Tyler Ways. And Brett Gardner. And? Who laid down a beauty that day. But that's a bunt for a hit, not a sack. Matter. Those are different bunts. No, that's no, di- no, that's different hold on, bunting. Hold on, hold on. He was he was hitting where there was nobody. It was a great bunt. It was it, it wasn't really like I hit. He didn't. He wasn't Ichiro out of the box when that bunt. No, no, no. What, what I'm saying is, when you surprise, when you ambush the pitcher with a I bunt, it's a lot easier fine. to I, bunt I, than still, when the I, pitcher knows a sack okay, bunt is fine. coming. I understand what you're saying now. I uh, I still have confidence in Brett Gardner. He would be a guy that I would put that sign on for. I do not have confidence in Brett Gardner, but okay. Well, there we're different. <laughs> there we are different. Well, the, I mean, the Yankees have tried to like they tried to advance bases like in Friday night's game. Talkman gets thrown out at third base trying to advance on a ground ball, and so like we've seen them try and manufacture runs. It doesn't always go well. Well, Talkman on Saturday had that beauty uh, pitcher sleeping takes third base. No outs. Love that. Yeah, so it'll be interesting. Sacrifice fly by Gio. That's a, that's how you manufacture a run. That that made me happy. <laughs> I feel like Talkman could bunt. Maybe. I just don't think he's done much, but maybe he could. He'd be a sleeper. Then you still have to get a fly ball. <laughs> that's or a ground ball in the right place. <laughs> bring, bring the infield in. A, a ground ball in the right place. I guess so. Um, anything else from the, the series that you want to discuss? I mean, it was a huge series for Tampa. They needed the confidence, I think, to get they back into to that. It's not like they don't... Uh, let me let me rephrase that. They they don't lack confidence. That team is very confident in their abilities. They have a bunch of guys on that team who are um, very, very, very comfortable talking about how good they think they are. So uh, it's this is a team that is absolutely... One to be reckoned with. And, you know, we talked about how the series of the Yankees and the Rays got got diminished after they expanded the playoffs. And it did. It did because it doesn't count for as much. But that being said, that was a good, it was a hard fought series. I mean, there were some close games that could have gone either way. And the the Rays ended up taking three or four, but it was a, it was a tight series besides the, um, the, uh, the, the one game. I, so I like playing them. It's fun because I think it's it's good competition, and I I think baseball is better when you have good competition on the field together. And and I don't think they like each other either, and I like that too. Would you be nervous about facing them in a five or a seven game series in the playoffs? I mean, nervous is prop. I would. Um, Do you think it's a bad matchup for the? I don't Yankees? think it's a bad. No, I don't I, think it's necessarily. I, I kind of think it's a bad. Matchup I don't think it's a necessarily a bad matchup. I don't know how many. The, I think it's a bad of the, matchup because of the I think they, the pitch, the bullpen. And I think in a seven-game series, it's just like, you know, the Yankees are going to wear down a team like the Twins or eat, like the, the Indians have been saying like, oh, don't face the Indians because they've got starting pitching. Yes, they do. And Shane Bieber has looked unhittable. But I have confidence that by the third time through the order, Yankees hitters are going to figure out the starting pitcher. Doesn't even You don't even get there with the Rays. Right. They just bullpen you to death. No, it's it's a fair point. I think 
you know, we have to see how that how that works. And, and they showed it last year with, with Houston. I mean, they came back and almost won that series. And that was a five game series, and they almost came back and, and won that series. I, I I remember because we either had a um, a game that we had 400 tickets to on Saturday, which was the was like <laughs> two days after they, if the Tampa had won, or it was going to be the Tuesday, five days after. And I was like, oh my God, how are we, we have to like get rid of a bunch of tickets. It was stressful. So um, yeah, they, they are a good team and, and they obviously play well in a, in a five game series. And uh, again, their offense, the, their position players do not lack confidence. And I think that really shows they're really not out of a game. And we saw, I think that starts with Kevin Cash. Probably does. They have a mentality. The team has a mentality. They have an underdog mentality. They play in a dump. They're in a dump town for the for the baseball. Nobody cares. There's just a lot of things that go that go against them, and they they are playing that role. They're embracing it. Judge Judge hit the catwalk. Of course. Thankfully, it was the the right catwalk. <laughs> it was the one that's a home run catwalk, not the ground rule. Not the catwalk. Clint Frazier catwalk. Right. No, that was a speaker. Whatever. Which is attached to a catwalk. (laughs) Higgy's on the IL. Surprise, another guy. Strained right oblique. So that's probably going to be a long time. Yeah, that's not good for a catcher. We're going to see Eric Kratz and then the other, you know, four (laughs) catchers that are in their late 30s. Didn't they DFA Iannetta? I think they might have. I'm not sure if he's on the taxi. It's not like it's a you can go pick him up or pick up another guy just like him. <laughs> yeah. All right, we got a couple of mailbag questions and they're all about Boone. So this one from Jay, his Twitter is at Lou Rose underscore twenty four. He asked or he says, please talk about how the bullpen is taxed, quote, taxed after sixteen effing games. Do you want to know how the bullpen's taxed, Scott? Not only did they play two two double headers, but here is how many innings their starting pitchers have pitched over the last week. Hap. Three innings. Lasagna, 2.1 innings. In Not game a starting two pitcher. Against Philly. Okay, he started I know, I'm the just, game. I'm just, this is going to continue. Keep going. Montgomery, four innings. Tanaka, five innings. Wow. Cole, 4.2 innings. You think he's going to go more. And then King, three and two-thirds also innings. Also starting pitcher. Game two. Yeah. And then Paxton finally got them into the sixth inning. Seventh, right? Six and, a, six, six and a third. Into the, se- into the seventh yeah. inning. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you get routinely... Four innings or less out of your guys who are first pitching in the game, your bullpen's going to be taxed. Sure. Especially when you're down a guy, one of your main guys in Canley who uh, just went down with Tommy John. So, yeah, it's when you when you have shitty starting pitching and they can't get any depth from it, then then yes, this is the same problem we've had for two years. And I think it will be resolved if you get Cole. Tanaka and Paxton pitching well. If you have three out of your five, you can manage. I got to tell you, I, I have probably more. I probably have more confidence in Monty than I do um, in Paxton. Maybe Paxton. Yeah, it's close. I have confidence in Monty. I, I think Paxton can figure it out as long as he's healthy. I'm, 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 but is Monty, a, is Monty really only a four to five inning guy? Even like that might be his ceiling this year, like five innings. Whereas Paxton, like, just the way like, that the go. way that Monty pitches with the um the the uh, just the style of pitching like he could definitely get through you know the the rotation more than twice i i think he's going to evolve i i really do i'm i'm still excited to I see him continue um to continue his progression he just didn't have good stuff yeah. against philly flat out he just right. had bad stuff uh but i th- no, i think he's going to be i think by the by the end of the season we're going to be talking differently about him 
And then two people sent us tweets complaining about uh, Boone's management in the Tampa series. And by the way, they sent tweets to at Yankees podcast. You can shoot mailbag questions there, or you can go to bronxpinstripes.com and email in your questions. So uh, JNA5993, his uh, Twitter handle is A525Jason. He's pissed about leaving Paxton in as long as he did, and then also bringing in Albert Abreu, who would be in double A in a normal season to make his debut in a three to one game. And then Donald Williamson at Don W556 says, I'm quickly losing faith in Boone. Pitching management is horrible. No clue why Gardner is still getting starts when Talkman is better than him at this point of his career. DJ can't do everything by himself. It's the this home runner nothing approach is really getting old. I mean, yeah, this is the, the, we've been talking about this this approach for a very long time now, and it's the majority of teams in baseball. Period. But yes, it's also this team. Uh, I think they have the ability with some of these guys to to string some. I mean, Talkman's a guy that's that's interesting that that has the ability to, you know, hit gaps. You know, we're not he's not home run or bust. I don't think. Um, no. And even Gardner, well, is Gardner well. Do they need more? Or bust? Well, that's that's the problem with my problem with Gardner is not. If Brett Gardner is like 340 on base percentage, slap slap singles, long at bats, it's the fact that he turned into a home run hitter, and they don't need another one of those. I just I think that was more of a career longevity thing. Anyway, the I I, look, this team is uh, at at peak at peak. When you see DJ and Judge, Judge to me is not an all or nothing guy. Judge makes a ton of contact. I love I love Judge up in a lot of places. I don't. I don't put Judge in that category, even though he's the most prolific home run hitter on the team. I actually don't put him in that category because I think he, um, you know, he's shown the ability to get a big hit in a big at a big time. DJ, obviously, we know what he is. He's the most constant, you know, thing you can possibly put at the plate. Even Glaber, when Glaber's going well, he makes good contact. Yes, he's going to strike out a lot too, but when he's going well, I have confidence in him to get have a good at bat. So, Gio Urshela has become one of the best hitters on the goddamn team. Let me pose this to you. What would you think if instead of DJ leading off, DJ hits three and you move Aaron Hicks to lead off? Who has, I'm trying to pull up his on base. This year, I bet it's not great. 388 on base percentage. That's pretty solid So this year. He's not hitting, but he gets on base. Or even, because what I'm saying is you have DJ who's always hitting, but maybe you want that contact when there's already guys on base. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I would not, I would not hate if they moved around Lemayhew and and put up a guy who works the count a little bit better. Not that he doesn't work the count, but he makes a lot of contact. It doesn't matter where he is. You need your leadoff guy to be working the count, getting on base, obviously high base, high end base percentage. If you can, you know, get somebody out of, uh, get a similar on base percentage or something of, you know, of 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 similar quality, and I'm not saying as high as DJ, but. Then yeah, I have. I think it could be definitely a strategy to look at because they do need well, more contact. DJ doesn't walk a t- DJ doesn't no, walk because he gets ton. a bunch his of base hits. percentage comes with his high batting right. average, right? So I just said he has a uh, Hicks has a 388 on base percentage right now. DJ has 426 because he's batting 397, but last year he had 375 on base percentage. Yeah, so there you go. So it's, it's, it's right there. It's We've right seen there Hicks if you, in the leadoff spot plenty yeah. of times. If you hit Hicks leadoff, you got Judge two, Lemayhew three. It, it might you might get more action as far as like movement on the base paths. Traf, the traffic might actually move other than just a home. See, run. now we're talking about more of a stereo, uh, a prototypical lineup. If you actually put DJ at number two, 
which normally in every, you know, for, for the last, besides the last five years of baseball. No, DJ would be hitting two. I just said that. He would be a number two and Judge would slide to oh, no, three. I'm not, no, no, no. I don't want Judge moving out of the My two. point is, is that he would go to two. And you have um, you have two guys there with confidence. Either way, two or three, doesn't matter to me. I don't think it's that big of a deal. The thing is, I think it's a I think it's a positive move. My my overwhelming point is I think there are guys on this team that that can actually break the Yankees out of this. They should not be so home run dependent. That's what's pissing me off. When I look up and down the lineup and I see what's happening, when I see how Gio Urshela has turned around his offensive career and and the way that he hits, when he's going well, he's not home run or bust by any means. The guy makes a ton of contact, gets has good at bats, and you know has been showing power as well. But he's not a home run or nothing guy. It's a matter of stringing them together and, and not having the the long strikeout gaps in the lineup. Right, right. And, and it's once the guys are on base, once DJ and Judge and Hicks are on base, then they get the strikeouts. It's like that's when the strikeouts yeah. come. Yeah, sometimes they get the three-run home runs, and those are great, but there's also a hell of a lot of strikeouts in there. there that's true. There's They should not be that way. I, and I'm hopefully as the season progresses, they can evolve a little bit whether it's Boone evolving and putting the guys in the position that they need to be um, to to combat that, or it's, you know, just guys start hitting where they're supposed to. I mean, if we see Glaber hitting anywhere near he did last year, it's this is not a problem. Right. And Sanchez, too. And Sanchez is a freaking... Dis- he's a, there's no reason for him to be in the lineup. He's pointless. He can't catch... Well, right now, you've got Kratz. You can go Kratz over Sanchez I mean, right now? shit. <laughs> No, I'm just saying no. You 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 look at them and you say no, but <laughs> I thought his at bats have been better. I mean, that's what Boone has said. They, yeah, they've been since a little the bit better run, since his the home run. They've been, been fine. They've been a, they've been better, but you need to do better than better because better better than than dog shit is is not is not great. <laughs> I'm sorry, like you, you found one. You found. Show me that that wasn't you just closing your eyes and Chris Cartering that ball out. Show me that, please. Show me a little bit more than one before I'm like, you know, applauding how you're hitting. I need more than that. I forgot. I totally forgot about Chris Carter. Well, there you go. Boy, boy, was that he hit a lot of home runs. Half a season. Not for the Yankees. Not for the Yankees, but for the Brewers. Won the won the freaking home run title. And uh and to um to Jason's tweet about Albert Abreu because a lot of people are like, well, when are we going to see Clark Schmidt? When are we going to see Clark Schmidt? And Abreu got the call up before Clark Schmidt, even though he's just a bullpen arm. Um, Boone said over the weekend, really no plans to have Clark Schmidt come Not up on the 40. soon. Like, right, but it, I just also think that not on the forty. They might want to. They might. They might want to fudge service time with him. Yeah, and he's not on the forty. They're not. They'd have to make a. They'd have to make an adjustment to knock somebody off. They'd have to do something significant um, and take someone off that they want on there. And uh, he's protected right now, so they don't have to. It's unfortunate when you COVID. see when you're struggling and you have a guy that you think is right because that's one of the things that Kratz was actually talking about. But don't you remember we always used to do this with uh, Chance Adams? It was like, oh, when's Chance Adams going to get Chance Adams, Chance, Chance Adams? Adams was more of an anomaly. They came up and was like, where did this guy come from? He was drafted. He was he he was like a he was a relief pitcher, then put into a starting role with the Yankees and had that you know crazy streak. Rode through the minors quickly and then got to AAA and was trash. 
So, but is this the best year to bring up Clark Schmidt, who you hope is in your rotation for a long time to come, when he's not even real, really facing real competition in games right now? He's in, he's in alternate site facing Clint Frazier. That's what he's doing. Is it the best time to call him up? I, I mean, I don't really buy into the point that like, uh, if the guy's mentally weakened, he's going to ruin his career for coming up and getting talking about mentally weak physically he might not be where he needs to be right now he's a young man i would expect him to be more ready than anybody else some of these older guys because these guys are used to playing baseball every day there's no baseball games going on outside of the major leagues they're not playing baseball games they're playing bullshit inter-squad so i don't understand your point you're telling me that everybody in like this taxi squad or whoever's down in in the alternate team is is just not physically ready because they're not throwing against major league competition. They're not in game action. They're so not, what? Their their timing is slightly in, off. Their week one, nobody was in game action. Guess what? You know who is in game action? Jay Hat. He's trash. Who cares? W- what does that do? What does that do for you? Send Jay Hap to alternate. My point is, is that you're saying that that's a that's like one of those deciphering things. You just read how many. I'm posing. I'm posing the question, and I'm dismissing the question because you just read to me one, two, three, four, five, six, six pitchers that after Cole went six innings on Monday could not get through beyond five innings, six, and most of them not even into the fifth. So. When you're telling me that those guys are more prepared physically than a guy who's probably what 24, 24 years old, just get out of college, is is not is more is less prepared. I I take I take exception to that. Bring him. I just think people are young and dumb. Putting do, all their hopes. Do you and remember dreams when we put our hopes in Clark? Schmidt. Do you remember when we put our hopes and dreams behind young and dumb and it worked? Yeah. Rob, you put all your hopes and dreams behind. No, Rob no, Riffs. I put. We put our hopes and dreams in 2016 in young and dumb. They were young and dumb. They didn't know any better. It didn't matter. These guys were just up here having fun. They didn't make the playoffs in 2016. It was. It was probably Gary Sanchez. It, Gary Sanchez did 20 home runs in August. And that it was, was cool. probably the most one of the most fun second halves that we've had in a while. Yeah, because I didn't have to watch Carlos Beltran and Brian. It McCann was a bunch of kids out. going up there playing out way outside their means. The overwhelming point here is it doesn't matter. If the kid looks good, as Eric Kratz was saying, that was my original, what I was trying to get to my point here. He says, coming back up, they're asking him, oh, you know, who's looking good down there? Clark Schmidt, Davey Davey, uh, Garcia, both look phenomenal, ready to go, ready to go. I mean, Eric Kratz might as well be another coach. Okay, well then let's see it. Let's see it. Davey, we could bring up, we could bring up Davey, not so much Clark Schmidt. Because he, he's on the 40 men. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, some COVID news. St. Louis is still shut down. They're up to 11 games missed. It's probably going to go up to 14. So how the hell are they going to make those games up? It's a tough one, man. I don't know how they're going to do that. That's a lot of games. and There's two weeks of games. A lot of games. <laughs> they're not going to make those yeah. up. No, nah, it's going to be the winning percentage. There's going to be some mad people in that division if they win it. With 10 less games. So they, they've played five games. That's crazy. <laughs> Since this, Yankees have played, what, 15? They've played five. So th- their series so. with the Cub got, Cubs got canceled or postponed at least? Um, yes. So sh- I think uh, Chicago was on a flight or was about to board their flight. And they're like, well, don't board it yet. Monday's definitely postponed. We don't know about Tuesday yet. Interesting. So as you know, I I work for Blue Wire now. And we have uh, Ian Happ, who's the Cubs utility guys on that team. 
I'll be interested to listen to what he's going to say because he's been an open book on a lot of this whole, a lot of this stuff. It's actually been pretty interesting listening to the the inside, the way that these guys are thinking. Yeah, the compound. The is compound. Yeah, it's a good about. podcast. Yeah. It's him and uh, two other two two guys who are not currently on their team, but they're both Cub players. Yeah, so I just think the league. So far, I, I guess you know the Marlins outbreak affected a few different teams. Now the Cardinals are affected. That's the problem with this is that even one outbreak it affects other teams, and so the trickle down effect is is. So what do you think is going to happen there? Do you think that at some point they're just going to say they're they're really going to go by the winning percentage even even when there's a drastic um, change when there's a drastic difference in games or at some point are yes. they going to have to dismiss the team just to say that they're they're not eligible for the postseason? No, I don't I don't I don't think that. I think that they might set a threshold and it's like if the Cardinals don't get to say 50 out of 60 games, then they're ineligible for the playoffs. That's what I mean. But yeah, that that's okay. what I mean. So, but but they, they they might get to they could get to 50 games. Say they start their series, say they start playing again on Thursday, right? And they miss 14 games. That means they're at 56 games. They can make up four extra games, but they can't make up 14 games. Right. But they, we've we have not heard any kind of a threshold, any kind of a, a cutoff or anything like that. So no, that no, I if, mean the, if, the Marlins you imagine, are, aren't the Marlins still in first place? Imagine like them, imagine them announcing this, you know, so late in the season where where it's it's like almost anointing a team. That's true because if you've already met that threshold, you just or shut if you're down, damn close, you or if you're damn close, you just send Tyler Wade to the club to get COVID, infect everybody. <laughs> why? Why had to be Tyler Wade? Because Tyler Wade's in the club with glow sticks. But who else is going to go to the club and get COVID? Clint Frazier. The, um, but he's not, not yet. He's an alternate yes. site. The, um, it's interesting. No, the, the ramifications of when they announce that, if that is does become a thing, you know, the every day that moves forward is going to be a problem because, you know, there's just a lot of conspiracy theories that happen there. If you can, if you're anointing a team in, or if they're within 14, you're like, okay, 10, or 12, 12. Right, right. Like whatever they can get to, but that also screws teams later on their schedule. I know. I know it's going to piss so many people off. That's my point. Are, do you think we're done with the outbreaks? Or do you think we've gotten past? Does anybody it? know? Because the MLB is beefing up their protocols. They're they're locking shit down. Good. I I have no idea. You think you think we got? You think the Marlins and the Cardinals are like a cautionary tale, and they're informing the rest of the league: be careful, don't do as we did. I hope so. I hope I, I I would love to finish this season. If they can do it, then terrific. If they if this um, if it continues, then it's going to be a problem. But they're doing everything I think that they can. I think the league, honestly, as much shit as the league has gotten, and as much as I have given them from the beginning of this whole thing, because you know, looking back, it was super frustrating, super frustrating. But it was on both sides. I actually think that the league and the players and everybody involved since they've come up with this plan have done a pretty decent job. Honestly, there was some there was some like you know, frustrations in the first week, but to be expected, I think. Well, the frustrations were that they didn't even get through a weekend without having it. Having but that would be the weekend that you would, you know, have problems in the beginning of something like that with a new process and like so many moving parts. I get it. Uh, and a strip club. And well, this, no, the, the whole strip club thing is that was just Jeter said they didn't go. Of course, Jeter said they didn't go. You had to drop your phones. In before you go to the club, Jeter's there with a with a Ziploc bag. Look, look. Or Gerald Williams is actually now on the team. <laughs> Gerald Williams. Does he work for Jeter? He's his boy. I know that they've. I don't know if they. I, I don't know Posada. Posada. I don't know if Gerald Williams is there. Um, but Gerald Williams was the guy that would collect the phones. 
or pagers, beepers. It's so much easier in the 90s <laughs> to get away with stuff. You remember that picture of Jeter like passed out with those girls? No. There's it's like this there's like two girls like drinking and Jeter is you see his head and he's just passed out in like a like a lawn chair behind. Oh, him. I do not remember that picture. I have to look Google that right now. Like Derek Jeter passed out with girls. As I'll keep talking. There was a as you know, an hour before we were gonna record this, the Astros and the A's got into a bench clearing brawl. And it was actually not an Astros player getting hit, it was an A's player getting hit and then he charged the the dugout of the Astros and, and got tackled and there was a, a face-to-face confrontation with the entire benches not many masks being worn I expect there to be suspensions because baseball has basically set a precedent with Joe Kelly you do not start bench clearing brawls right now because of the co- because of COVID and now this happened so I expect stuff to happen here but who the hell knows because the Astros seemingly have been getting off scot-free this whole time did you find the picture of Derek Jeter? I did. And I'm looking at this picture and I remember uh, this looks like it was at, was it at his house in New York? Oh, I, I don't know. It's, I'm looking at the, I'm looking know, at the background. I don't even know when it's, I don't even know when I'm it's looking from. at the, it, it, I'm looking at the background. <laughs> it doesn't, it, early 2000s. it doesn't look that old, honestly. I have not, I early don't think I've has, ever seen this picture. I remember he has hair though. It's, 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 it's receding. It's not young Derek. Uh, 2000, so uh, like 2011, 2011. 2011. Really? That's when the article came out. So I don't know when the if the picture was. So okay, I thought it was like 2002. No, yeah, it's really not that long ago. Um, that being said, it looks like the house because I saw the house that he put on the market that was on the on the Hudson up. I forget what town it was in. It was on the uh, on the Jersey side of the Hudson River, I believe. But it would look like a castle on you know it's freaking yeah. massive. Um, it looks like that house. Interesting. So yeah. Anyway. I can't believe, I don't um, that's can't how believe you I've get COVID. You, so you, that doesn't it ring does any not, bells for you? No, I mean, um, maybe I have, but I don't remember it. But no, it does not remember. It does not ring a bell. So bad weekend at the Trop. Nothing new for the Yankees. Um, doubleheaders, they're now two and two in doubleheaders. So their trend of dominating doubleheaders last year did not carry over so far. I think there's probably going to be more doubleheaders at some point this season because of COVID shutdowns and, and whatnot. So... The seven-inning doubleheaders, I don't know. I thought they were going to help the Yankees because their bullpen, that just helps their bullpen even more. But so far, it hasn't. It's just like home field advantage in the playoffs. Doesn't really matter. <laughs> but this is like a tangible <laughs> thing you can point to. Maybe. Like, well, I could, I, could, I could put my finger on uh, on why. We don't have to pitch Luis Avalon every day. Oh, wait. Yeah, we do. You have to pitch hey, Luis He's looked Avalon pretty good up day. until the last game or two. I was, I'm pretty sure I was <laughs> applauding him on the last uh, last podcast. He looked um, phenomenal up until until I called it out and said he looked phenomenal. So, so my, who do you want to screw my, over my for the next week? Who's gonna look good against Atlanta? They're all they're all terrible. They're all screwed. They're all screwed. <laughs> um. All right. That's it. Anything else you want to talk about? No. Atlanta's gonna be a fun series. I think they actually they have some good young players. So I, I I'm in. I'm like seeing these uh, these tight series with, especially Atlanta. We, you know, we don't see them that often. I think that's that's um, we don't get to see the, the, that team play, and, and they are a young, exciting team. So, should be fun. Should be a fun series. Yeah, and I'm planning on talking to a, a podcast host, um, Talking Chop. Uh, hopefully, talk to him on Monday evening, so you guys can check out that episode. I'm not sure if it'll be up Monday night or Tuesday morning, previewing the Atlanta series. They play two and two. 
So I think it's two this week and two next week against the Braves. Are you going to bring up Jim um, Lyrits? Yeah, I was planning on talking about the 90s. Okay. I, I honestly don't know much about the Braves at all. Like their current roster, like I know they're a good team, but like I don't really, I'm not familiar with those young players really for whatever. Yeah, reason. they got some studs. They definitely have some studs. They, um, feel, and then uh, Felix Hernandez, who was supposed to be pitching on that team, he opted out. He's one of those. Those yeah. are those are the classic well, Mar- cases of opt outs. The, the guys who made a ton of money who are playing for right. not much right now. Him, Zimmerman. Markakis opted out and then opted yes. in. So. He's like, the coast is clear. Stuck in the club. <laughs> All right, that's it. We will talk to you in a few days. Thursday's episode. Check out Thursday's episode. Submit your mailbag questions, all that good stuff. See ya. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. Sports are back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is back in action, and there's no better place to start wagering than with our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and prop bets you can bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Horry. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. It's actually very, very interesting because all of these sports obviously are playing without fans. You might not think it's a huge adjustment for some players, but it really is. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember, use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online wagering experts.